0: On, you have been on I have been on and I've, I've been, oh, yeah, I I have been so. on, yeah, I've been Nick you can roll for the banter um I've been hosting this for a little while I think this is probably what the people want to see uh big in Germany we're doing very well in Germany very well in Belgium it's so random creative working title and who who on earth better better sheeny less sheeny. Better.
1: No, yep noise sheenless
0: oh the sheenies in the- um yeah, so this is Creative Working Title Podcast. You haven't been on before. No. I um, listened to many of the episodes and funded many of them, but yes, yeah, <laughs> yes indeed, this is the first you, time I'm showing up. Yes, indeed you have. So welcome back, everyone, to Creative Working Title Podcast. Today, we're, we have a topic, but also we have two guests, which is slightly different, I think, Meg, from what we've done before. Uh, Kelly has been on Creative Working Title before, and the one person who has not been on Creative Working Title, owner of the company, our friend, your friend... Hi, friends. Pete Sena. Hey, welcome, Mr. Pete. It's good to be here, Mr. P- Mr. Pete, Mr. Pete, on the podcast. It's
2: So funny! Oh my god! Don't let's talk about Mr. Pete for a second, Mr. When Pete. I get folks from other countries that like will like just DM spam me. Yeah, they always start with Mr. Pete, yep. and I never respond to any of those messages. So if you're looking for me, don't say Mr.
0: Pete. Don't say it's Mr. Really Pete. Pete.
2: It's just Pete. Yeah. Right. Hashtag just Pete.
0: It's funny. I I think about that as how my my daughters address their. Like teachers, right, Miss uh, Miss Emily or Miss Jess. It's it's just always yeah. It's very formal. Um, And then
2: old, and I hate feeling old. Well,
0: and then when there are when we have like play dates, I'm like Mr. Steve, and I'm like that's weird. Don't yeah no, don't do that. I guess that's better than Mr. Walter though, right, Mr. Senna.
1: Growing up, I always had to call... Would
0: you be my neighbor? Yeah.
1: My neighbor's parents by Mr. and Mrs. enter last name, like yeah. I was expected to. And when, when they confronted me, they were like, oh, just call me Janice. Right. I wouldn't like, know what to do because like it, I wasn't allowed to. Right. So I would just keep calling her Mrs. Simcoe. Janice. Right.
0: Because that's what, right, you have that formality. You're taught that. And I remember I would always do that. And then one day, I forget how it started, but I, I referred to my dad as Jack. His name's Jack. But I said something like, oh, Jack ain't having it, like, you know, because my dad was upset about something. So then that just became a thing. And then Jack
2: talked high very well. And
0: this was like 13-ish years old. And then me and my group of friends, we would just start referring to our fathers specifically by their first name. We would only refer to them. I wouldn't address them. Like I call my dad pops. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never call him Jack, but I just refer to him as Jack instead of like, oh, my dad. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird, it's just an interesting thing how you address people differently. But Pete. Yes. You're on the podcast. You're here. What we ask everyone, Mm. and I would like to get your thoughts on this, is... Take a sip of
2: coffee first. Yes,
0: yes. Get fueled up. Creative Work Title Podcast started with James and the question, the single question, which I'm now presenting to you, what does creativity mean to you? Mm. Loaded.
2: Creativity for me is forming new connections that... a great question i think my favorite whenever i think of the word creativity there's three things that come to mind mm-hmm. one is the steve jobs acceptance speech where he says like you can't connect the dots looking forward you have to connect the dots looking back and it just it's like mm. permanently embedded in my brain but when i just think about creativity which i teach creativity i practice creativity on a regular basis for me it's just connecting together different thoughts, ideas, objects, things, and forming new things. Um, and I think I typically will use creativity to solve business problems or mm-hmm. uh, you know, make art or those kinds of things. But that's what creativity means to me. It's just connecting things.
0: Awesome. I love that. And I'm going to use that as a perfect segue to talk about the topic that we wanted to discuss today, which is AI art. Now, I haven't found, I think that's probably the easiest way to say it, Artificially intelligent, art, artificial intelligence, art. I think you're referring to art that's generated by an AI. That's probably an easier way to say it, right? Art yep. that's generated by AI. Yep. So if I think about that, so so for those that aren't familiar, there are um, in, in most recent, I, I will, what we call this the past year or even less, mm-hmm. right? But maybe around that timeline, I would say it's probably even less than that, right? It seems
1: to have blown up over the last month. In my opinion,
0: I was gonna say it feels like it's from
1: somebody who wasn't as close to it.
0: Yeah, it's in the cultural zeitgeist right now for sure. Thank you, yeah. and see, Pete with the words, Pete with the phrasing, I love it. I'm so glad you're on this, Pete. Yeah. Um, I'm here. So right now, that's there's all the buzz. There's there's a ton of FOMO that exists, right? Um, there are invite only lists, right? So like it's similar to any kind of social media app where it's like, oh, I want to get on, I want to be a part of this, I want to do this, and you want to just explore and you want to experiment. But what's happening is there are these programs right for for call it uh, lack of a better word for testing right just testing these systems and to test things right you need people right you need subjects or you need uh, beta testers for lack of a better word and we get to be those beta testers right and just a kind of quick synopsis and Pete you might be able to do a better job than this but I'm going to try i don't know better but basically what you're able to do is provide some prompts for a program right mm-hmm. and you then, it then connects those dots, right? So if I say uh, generate an image, or I don't even say generate an image, I just say purple sky, blue horse. And it will figure out between purple sky and blue horse what it will make from that. And what it will do typically, uh, there's a couple that I've played with, but what it will do typically is give you some samples, some examples of what that purple sky, blue horse looks like. Mm -hmm. Really, really freaking cool. Yeah.
1: And then you can get more detailed from there. Yes. Add a yellow bee. make it in this specific style of art. Yeah. I I'm,
2: I'm really passionate about this topic Yes. for, for a number of reasons. So one thing I'd love to do for this audience here is just sort of ground it when we say, so what Steve's really talking about is there's been text based image creation. Uh, or specifically, natural language text-based image creation is uh, really popular right now. Mm. And I think what's what's happened is a lot of creative people, artists, etc, have recently blown up in all of the social channels, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, Twitter, and they're posting LinkedIn. They're posting these images that they've created using augmented or artificial intelligence. Um, and essentially, as Kelly was mentioning, it's typing in a phrase or a body of text. And what ends up happening is you get back an image. It's a really, really incredible thing. And there's sort of two big, what I would call wig or what you see is what you get. Mm, good old WYSIWYGs. Um, no code based ways to do this, right? Mm. So uh, my background's in engineering, so I'm going to get really nerdy for a second. but do it. Um, the two sort of programs that people are using most right now is one is called Mid Journey, so a full pop up there in the, in the podcast, right? And then the other one is DALI, which is uh, DALI 2 specifically um, is a experiment done by OpenAI, which is the research laboratory. Um, Elon Musk was one of the, the early founders of it, among other people. And they've they've been seen as sort of the competitor to DeepMind. And DeepMind is owned by Alphabet, which is a Google company. You know, Alphabet is the parent company to Google. So why does that matter? But what it matters is I think if you go back to, I'm a big science fiction nerd. Mm. So I think what's super interesting about this, you know, I look at Kelly, who is like this incredible artist. And this like true, pure artist. And myself, I see myself as more of a designer mm. than an artist, right? Um, but Kelly's helped me tap into my 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 artistic self because of her Hue Years Challenge, which you should totally talk about because I think it'd be fun to do a little mini prompt
0: oh, Q Years Challenge oh
2: with AI. Oh my gosh. Let's God. go.
0: Really? Yes. Yes. Um, Connecting dots. Continue. That's what I'm here for.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so big picture. The thing that's super interesting about this now is because people have this easy access to things they can create all these images very easily. Yeah. And I think the accessibility of doing this now is leading to a lot of creativity. I can, as Kelly said, I can literally say, generate a, a photo of a Starbucks iced coffee done in the style of Salvador Dali, done in the style of you name your favorite artist or photographer or whatever. Yeah. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna spit out something and some of these things are really, really provocative. They're really, really yeah. awesome in terms of what they generate. And what they're basically doing is they're using this thing called a neural network um, or deep learning which basically is when you train a computer mm. using a combination of supervised or unsupervised learning, which I'm not going to get all into the weeds in that, but at a high level you feed it a bunch of information yeah. and what is so powerful. And I I could talk for days about this stuff. I is, know. Um, it basically understands and classifies these images. So because you're training these, these AIs, these computing systems on all these bodies of imagery, the objects, the people, the different things that could show up now, it can create things that we've never seen before, which is really, really powerful. And when I think about in science fiction, we all remember 20, 30, 40 years ago, or if you read science fiction novels or fiction or whatever, a world where we are creating with computers, Mm -hmm. our computers are there to assist us. You know, the Iron Man-Jarvis relationship. Yep. Um, all these different things that pop up in science fiction where, you know, Blade Runner had, you know, his girlfriend, Joy, who's the, the character in the thing, um, most recently depicted by Ryan Gosling and, and Ana, de, Ana de Armos. Or de Armo, how do you say her name?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. know.
2: You know what I'm talking about. Well mm-hmm. right? Fix, fix. But I think it's really cool because when I look at this as a technologist, as an artist, it's going to enable people to express themselves. Yeah. And. I can, as an engineer, I can download most of these libraries, Python libraries using tools like TensorFlow or many of the other things like Numenta, there's all kinds of different libraries I can download. I can run them on my, com- on my computer and I have a pretty powerful, you know, Mac and I can use the GPUs in my machine, um, the graphic processing unit and I can use my computer. Um, and I've got a lot of Ram. I've got a lot of GPU power and I can do a bunch of cool stuff Yeah, and I can feed it a bunch of images that I download on Google. Um, one of my friends just recently downloaded about a hundred terabytes worth of imagery and he's been training an AI himself.
0: Oh, cool. Um,
2: and he basically wants to make something better than mid journey. He's, um, wow. really, really better than mid
0: journey. Okay. Yeah.
2: And mid journey, if you haven't played with it yet, it's basically a discord bot. So you right. go into this discord channel and that's how you interface with this application is you, right. you type a command it's Too it's, easy. and it's too easy. And like, I find myself right now as a new parent, like with not a lot of free time outside of work. I'm like making art at you know midnight or whatever when my kid's sleeping because I can't have my whole rig you know my, no. my octane Cinema 40 uh, big giant computer with with all the After Effects on my laptop when I don't have access to that in the time so to be able to be creating art from thoughts I have in my mind I love that so I don't know how it, how it shows up for you but I can I can nerd out on like the origin of art and more importantly where I think A I art is going that to me I think is something that's got me. Yeah, a lot of cycles in my brain.
0: I I definitely want to get to that. But yeah, Kelly, tell me what your like first impressions and what your experience has been
1: with using this Um, as someone who doesn't know the origin or the algorithm or how to train AI to make this art. And I'm just the one giving it inputs for these programs that already exist. So my only experience is with mid journey. I haven't been able to play with Dolly two yet, uh, Dolly at all. But it's been really fun because You start off with those, uh, very specific prompts. Like you gave the example of a purple zebra running through a yellow field, Right. but then you realize, wait a second, what if I give it a prompt that doesn't have any nouns in it? Like what if it's an idea and let's see what the AI can generate from there. And that's where it gets really creative. Um, I believe it was Dolly today that had a series of stories that had a specific prompt and they showed the outcomes of it. And the prompt was everything between here and there.
0: Right. Which? Yeah.
1: What do you imagine when you think of everything between here and there? It could be anything.
0: That's like philosophy, yeah. right? You're being so prolific, and you're like, okay, computer, figure this out. Like you're just being very zen right. in, in your approach, and that's so interesting that
1: it's it so interesting
0: is going to figure out its own interpretation of that, but based off of what we have told it by 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 some parameters, right? right. Like we've given it this this knowledge, but then it's yes. going to go, okay, I'm going right. to then figure this out on my
1: own. So at the end of the day, it's really just like a giant collaboration of everything that humans have ever made and thought and put on the internet.
0: Yeah. I, I, so, and, and, and I appreciate you sharing that because I also am not coming from a, a very super technical background, right? I'm, I'm going to be coming at it from an artist perspective, a creative's perspective, yes. mm-hmm. but with, with with heavy interest in the technology, right? Uh, enough, uh, you know, programming language to get myself into trouble and to break websites. Like, that's where I kind of sit, right, in this world. But at the same time, recognizing that when when talking with you, Pete, that y- you'll know how to be able to create code. Like, you could create code on the fly, right? I'd have to, like, I'd have to look up code, reverse engineer, and then make it do what I want it to do, right? Like, that's the level that I'm at. But this type of thing is... I don't have to type in any code at no. all. I'm literally just typing in words. But what is interesting was that when I was watching you use it, Pete, was that you were you understand or start to understand this this definition of these parameters to then tell it, you know, like I've seen the uh, dash dash ar dash dash for That's the aspect great. ratio. Yep. Which is cool that people are, okay, aspect ratio. Or you were telling me, I think it was flagging, yep. where you can flag it, where you can then tell it to kind of weigh in a little bit more on this word. Like Ooh, if I use I the word red yeah, and flag red so that that way you're now, you have a bias to say, I want you to really lean in on this red thing. Yeah. Or whatever word or prompt that you include. So now you can start to refine this thing. So it can be very loosey-goosey. And I should also say this uh, for people listening, is that I've generated some stuff that looks like trash. It looks like absolute, it looks like someone went into Photoshop and used the spot healing tool for the first time and just blurred the shit out of everything. (laughs) So you can get garbage results. What was that using? That was using uh, Dolly Mini.
1: I wonder because I wonder if Dolly Mini is lower quality, and it might just quality. be that
0: it's not it's that great. Lower quality. Okay. yeah, so yeah, it could a, just be a, that
2: it's a tiny subset. So, in nature, just to sort of switch it up for a second, right? Let's do it. We have this thing called biomimicry, which is essentially if you observe perfect design in nature, mm. you know the way the Fibonacci sequence. So I was gonna say Fibonacci know, all day. The, yep. Like all the different rules and the math and the craziness about the universe. Perfect design in nature is called biomimicry. What's really interesting is what some of these systems have done. So what what he's using is the free version. Um, it's on like Hugger or something or another yep, whatever, hugging was, yeah, co. Huggingface.co. huggingface.com which is basically similar to what Dolly2 is, is using from mm-hmm. a library's perspective. They're all open source. They're all out there so we can sort of put that out there. Why I mentioned biomimicry is what I think is really interesting is in what makes actual Dolly so much better is, well, besides the the fact that they're using crazy amounts of GPUs and all kinds of really awesome stuff, which I I just nerd out on for just hours. But what I think is really dope is they had this thing in deep learning. So previously AI was much more limited about 10 years ago or so. Now we have these things called neural networks, which attempt to work the same way that the brain works in terms of our neurons and interconnections, which is how you can start to train these systems on a number of things and they start to combine them together. So one of my favorite tricks in in mid journey is if you put, you know, octane render or unreal render, it actually looks at images that were rendered by that rendering engine, which is a three d rendering engine, and you'll get a very different kind of look to it. Yeah. So the the flagging part says, I want to see more of this or less of that. So why biomimicry, right? We will have this thing called a GAN, which is how they do a lot of the faces that you ever see, like the, the fake generated faces. Deep fakes. Yeah. Well, deep fakes as well. Okay. Um,
0: but, oh, but, right. But it, when it automatically, it literally is just making human faces from scratch. Right. Yeah. So
2: when I think of a deep fake, I think of someone taking a prominent figure, you yeah. know, and um, using it to make them in a place or a setting that they weren't previously in. Right. Um, one of the more common uses that I think is really terrible is is taking you know an uh, actor or actress's face and then applying it to like pornography or something. Sure. W- would really sort of it make them.
0: It's in, it's remapping someone's correct. face onto someone else. Correct,
2: and that yeah. that's when I think of a deep fake or you know when, right. when the Jordan Peele years ago did the Obama impression and it mapped his face. Yes. Or, that to me is a deep fake.
0: The um, GAN is different though.
2: So well. Technically, deep fakes also use GANs, but what a GAN is, is a generative adversarial network. And essentially what is so interesting about that is it actually mimics nature and evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. So you have this thing called mimicry, which is when you set up a generative adversarial network, you're essentially taking more than one. It gets really complicated, so I won't get into all the details because I don't want to bore everybody because I'm really into this. But (laughs) take a database of animals, all photos of regular animals by national geographic, take a, uh, set of data from, uh, pointillism based art Mm. or, you know, whatever, and train that. You can actually use this generative adversarial network and they will compete with one another. And what's interesting is much like evolutionary biology where survival of the fittest happens very Darwinism where, you know, this animal now all of a sudden has a long beak or something to survive. Right. What happens is these AIs actually these two programs. So this this art program here and this animal kingdom picture here from National Geographic are classifying. Um, most likely, they're typically using what's called supervised learning, where a human will label what they see. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of bias in that, but depending mm-hmm. on who how they describe something. Right, your kid is going to describe that animal different than I might. Yep. So, but again, there's a bias there. So they're they're training it. Supervised learning over here on the. Uh, not, ge- not geographic yeah and then over here on the impressionism you know pointillism, pointillism you know, yeah whatever photos of that art what a gan does is it actually starts to compete in this survival of the fittest way so you can actually hmm. see the way that evolutionary bio- biology or biomimicry works is similar to the mimicry of these gans now what blows my mind about this is if you think about it the more computing power you have what's so special about like you know, companies like NVIDIA, which are which are now doing these monster GPU chips, yeah. is you can do so much more computing so much faster. So what that opens up is this realm of possibilities for artists, for people. Imagine if we could be having a conversation right now and you speak fluent Japanese yep, and I speak fluent English, but real time it's being translated colloquial to that. yeah, Removing the barriers of people being able to create. Imagine if you have a... a a disability or the inability to do something now you can create all this type of art. So I like that aspect of the, the artistry around it. Yeah. But also why, why I share that whole idea about the GAN is that what systems like Dolly Two are doing is as people are using it, it's getting smarter, it's getting better. Pe- the things that people are gravitating to is making the system better sure. and because it's using all this deep learning and all this advanced computational behavior it's the, when they release this thing and they're going to probably charge for it and public and whatnot, it's going to have so many, so many different use cases.
0: There's so much data that they're collecting from all that right now. Right. And it is interesting, right? Because it's now, now you're understanding it from that, um, sociological approach, right? Like what are people actually trying to make? Like, and I was struggling with it immediately. What my, when I was thinking, I was like, what do I want to make? Like I had like this moment of like, what do I, yeah. <laughs> what do I put in here? And so what I did was I kind of went into like work mode and I was like, Oh, well let me make like a, uh, what did I say? Meg, I said like a, a marble surface with a rocks glass and whiskey. Like I tried to make like a photo shoot. Yeah. I basically tried to make like a, a drink photo shoot and it did do a great did job. Did
1: you say photography style or? I
0: said photo style. I, okay. I, I think I used Octane Render. Oh. Um, and when I said rocks glass, it was interesting because it had a glass of whiskey, but then it also like the base of the glass was a rock. And I was like, Oh, that's not what I would have thought, but that's interesting. It was really cool. Try
2: making a statement and abstracting between background and foreground. Mm. You'll start to see something. Cause then what you can actually do is like a painting. You can paint the background first
0: you just make layers.
2: What's cool about mid journey is it'll show you in progress imagery and there's actually a flag you can type where you can save a like screenshots, like stop, uh, stop motion of all the steps. So one of the things I, I did recently was I, I basically put the flag in and I downloaded all the images. I dropped them into after effects and I just made an animation right. of the buildup. Like and it looks super cool. Like yeah. it took me two minutes to do, but that to me is super, super interesting. Yeah,
1: I, I love watching it.
2: Oh my God. I, I can think about someone like Kelly, right? So Kelly, for those of you that don't know, I, I write a lot, right? I it's sort of like one of the ways I help myself sleep at night and Kelly, some of my best writing I think really is because people see the beautiful blog header that typically Kelly designs as mm-hmm. one of senior designers here and they see it and they click through and, and they don't read my stuff. They just see Kelly's beautiful <laughs> headers. Right. But what's funny is I used to eat up a lot of Kelly's time. Like, Hey, Kelly, can you help me with this, this blog header. Here's my concept. Can you yep. bring this to life? I, I as a designer myself, I wish I could had time to do it, but you know, I'm, I'm running companies and I don't have the time. So now with mid journey, the last three blog headers that I did, I did myself AI. in two seconds, didn't have to bother Kelly take her away from the more, much more important things that she's working on here at DS and how cool. And that's awesome to me because now when I think about where that can go, I have a friend of mine, he's a creative director at a gaming company and he has all of his concept artists right now doing concept art. You can, they've, they've studied in mid journey a site called CG society or art station. They've indexed all the content from those sites. Mm. So you can say, Hey, give me a character, that's like Dracula inspired with a lightsaber and trending on CG society. Yeah. And it'll just spit out the dopest shit. Right. So I think of myself, like in, in teams that will be using this is where haters are coming in. There's a lot of haters. Well, Well, people are
1: scared. People are scared. People are scared scared that it'll take their job away or or replace them somehow.
0: Guard job. Yeah. It's, it always comes down to, right. There's, it's an interesting thing when these things happen, the FOMO and the fear that, that kind of just ride together. What were you going to say, Kelly?
1: Oh, no. Just that I don't think that anybody needs to be worried. No. Because I feel like at the end of the day, the human part of it is still the part that makes it, uh, you know, exist in the first place. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, e- even if it does get to a level where it could then start to like, if we start giving it a prompt of like, I want to just give it like a prompt of love. I'm like, what are you going to give me for love? Wow. But then eventually when computers get to the point where like they can understand emotion, right? I know that there was that, that one story where the- Tay. Yeah, where, where that came out where it's like, you know, the, the program has become self-aware. Okay,
2: maybe Oh, no, you, start... I thought you were talking about the,
0: the, the racial no, one. At, at
2: Google. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, th- supposedly, an AI went sentient and
0: hired a lawyer and this whole big thing. But... Right, which is, you know, that may or may not happen. But yeah. Yeah. even that aside, that's like the reality of Terminator happening. Or what was the company that ran in Terminator? What was their? Um, Skynet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Skynet. Skynet, I think we still have a little bit of time. We're safe from Skynet mm-hmm. so far. But... The fact that these tools exist now, um, that I think of them as just that, tools. They're right? tools. It, it, it's currently a tool that we as humans have created, I had nothing to do with the creation, but right. I can utilize to then generate inspiration or actual blog articles, or Kelly, you were showing me just before we were doing this, someone was using it to, they were taking their photographs, I know, they took a video, as I understand yeah, it. it was video. They took a video, they made still images from the video, Deleted the background, added that image. Now, what was interesting was they seemed to add that image to, I I don't know if it was Midjourney or Dolly. No, they
2: they used a thing called disco diffusion.
0: Oh, that's what it is, disco diffusion. So they gave it a reference image, Mm -hmm. right? And then told it what it wanted, what they wanted from a prompt, and then it generated a background. They saved that background. Mm -hmm. And they basically, they made this beautiful panoramic image in this background that they then took that video... Auto roto keyed, composited that background, right? This realistic looking background with this video. So they used it as just the ability to make this custom stock background that they didn't have to have Cinema 40. They didn't have to know shit about modeling, about texturing, about lighting, rendering, all of those things. Pete will tell you firsthand. It takes, you have to spend hours and hours and hours just to understand. How to then approach making a thing in a three D program? But if I can just put in the prompt, "Octane render," <laughs> make a cool, make a cool or
1: tower, photorealism, photo or
0: yeah, that high I don't definition. have to know how to do all this shit. You can even yeah. I've seen people doing put in prompts for like eight K, and that you can refine the resolution so you can get high quality imagery out of this. They're
1: very high yeah. quality.
0: I've won two prompts already.
2: Really? Yeah. So they have these daily prompts, and like I've already won two send me that. I want to yeah, see what you did. I will. Yeah. I'll pull one up. Um, it was, it was pretty cool. And I, honestly, all I did differently was I was looking at the stuff that people like most, mm. and it all had a very similar pattern to it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to generate something like that. But then I just got much more refined for what it was doing. Mm-hmm. So the detail was there. And then I, I upscaled or upscale, which basically means make it yep. small and bigger. And it was just, you know, it, it was like a, You know, it got awarded type of thing, which is pretty cool. And I think that the thing that's super inspiring to me about all this is I don't believe that in the next 20 to 30 years that I do think in the next 100 years, we will see humans being rendered obsolete in a number of ways. Mm. But I think in the next 20 to 30 years, I think that computers are going to do the jobs that most humans don't want to do. Um, So I do think there's a really important thing that's going to happen right now. I mean, I I would venture to bet, and we can look at this a couple of years from now, that there are many minimum wage jobs right now that people perform at Walmart in different warehouses Mm -hmm. that'll be completely replaced by cobots and Mm. robots um, 100% and processes that will be automated. But I think that what will likely replace those is quality assurance jobs, is AI trainer jobs, yeah. and people who are training the system. So I believe it was called Deep Lens, if I'm, if my memory suits me correctly, but Amazon launched a product. You could buy it, we could all buy it. It was very inexpensive. And you could take photos of things and then tell it what it was. Oh. And Amazon, Amazon did that specifically because they were trying to, you know, just train their databases and whatnot. But people were using it for some interesting things. Um, I do think that that's how how the world will change from that. But when I think of AI and how it will be used for creators, mm-hmm. is it'll save time doing the mundane tasks that take away from creatives being the most creative. Yeah. And what I mean by that specifically is things that we already see happening right now in our programs: Back, automated background removal, automated right. rotoscoping, yep. um, you know, swapping out an object, yeah. um, you know, near mapping, and those kinds of things. I think those things are. Really mundane tasks. I mean, we all we all remember, I mean, we still do it, right? Where how much time I remember when I used to have to do club flyers and I'd have to cut out, you know, a person and the <laughs> wispiness of a person's hair in the in the wind. And it's like you are sitting there and you're it's like a job for quick mask was not a job for quick mask. It was too long. Nowadays yeah. you push one button in Photoshop it's and the neural filter it. does it for you. Yeah. So I think it's really powerful. But I also think you as a real artist, someone who makes art, sells art. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, because I think that in the next three to five years, we're going to see art. And on that art is going to be a, the equivalent of a made by humans label. And what I mean by that specifically is think about furniture and think about mass produced furniture that has a lower quality and then think about really bespoke custom furniture by a furniture maker. Now, depending on the popularity of the furniture maker, the, um, the, the cost of that is dramatically different, right? right? Um, because of the craftsmanship that goes in for the person that's doing that work, that's physically spending a hundred hours on something that really a computer can do in moments, right? So I'm curious to hear from your perspective, you know, I've been to some of your shows. I've bought some of your art. How do you feel that essentially all of the art that you create that you, you know, you put your heart and your soul and your creation into, you know, collages a big style of yours, yeah. how do you feel when essentially a computer can replace yeah. that?
1: Well, because I love tech and, I, and I've and i been interested in this space for a while, it excites me. I think maybe a lot of artists might feel a little threatened because all of a sudden it's giving people who are not artists or don't consider themselves artists or creators by any means the sudden ability to be able to create anything that they can think of. Yeah. So I could see how at first somebody who works for weeks on this beautiful painting um, can have that right next to a piece made by AI that's just equally as beautiful, arguably even potentially better or um, has more vibrant colors or something, how that might feel like, wow, like I just spent all this time on this. But at the end of the day, the people out there who really care about art are going to want to know the origin of the piece. And like Pete said, the value will probably always be different for human created art versus art created by artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, there's just different values there depending on who's, who the buyer is. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some people out there that might value AR, AI art more than, than yeah. human made art. But, um, I think it's just another thing that exists now is, and it's going to be very saturated for a while. I think a lot of people are going to get in the space and make all of this AI art and, sure. and, um. If anything, I feel like it'll just up the value of real art.
2: Well, it's so crazy to me. I, I love that answer. And it's so crazy to me to think about like you as an artist. Tip, if you, God forbid, if you were to die tomorrow, any of your art that you've previously created is going to skyrocket in value, right? In theory. Like, sure. That happens. Yeah. That happens most yes. of the yeah. artists that we, we've seen in, in fine art specifically, or, you know, those types of art. What I think is interesting is the value of an AI that keeps going on. So it's almost like if you've, what I think is going to actually happen in the future is people are going to buy trained AIs, which is essentially just really just, the, you know, it's a database on steroids to, just to simplify right. it. Right. Right. But I think that what's going to happen is, you know, much like that moment in the matrix, the first movie where, you know, he said it's for Keanu Reeves character. Neo says to the operator tank, I need a program on how to operate a, uh, you know, a helicopter. And right. then now he knows how to operate a helicopter or, or I just learned Kung Fu or whatever. Yeah. I think it's going to happen where it's like, you know, I've never trained my palate on becoming a sommelier, which is, which sure. takes hundreds of hours for someone right. to, to learn. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, let me just get a, a program on like wine and I just plug into my neural pathway. And now all of a sudden right. I, I know how to, taste wine like You're like Ooh, think, very oaky yeah mm. it's like let me go to the store and buy this that like, chocolate? You know? Oh, lovely so i just think it's gonna be interesting but the made by humans so made by crazy. humans thing yeah. is something that i'm i'm into
1: yes yes and i love the i forget what you said that triggered it but it allows ai art allows artists to live beyond their death because once you create your life's artwork and then you die there's no more of your work. But with AI, it can study your work, and then it can create anything that anybody prompts it in your style. So it kind of perpetuates your life in That's that sense. That's
0: really interesting. So then that led me to the thought. I really like that. And when I, was, when I was talking about this, I then thought, okay, well, why doesn't this exist for music? Like it does it, it. And then and then immediately I like start Googling. It, and I'm like, oh, it does. Right. Because I
1: dove into that yet.
0: Why aren't there just top 40 hits generated by these bots? Like it seems like especially for like I say top 40 specifically because like that there's a formula for that. There's a very simple basic formula. That works like you you pick a key. It's usually going to be in C or G major key, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have your backbeat. That's going to be a four over four, right? There is a structure to that. You're going to have an intro. You're going to have your verse. You're going to have your chorus. Like it, there's a structure.
2: Yeah. You that- ever heard of this genre called
0: EDM? EDM. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, literally like <laughs> it's that like it's 80% of EDM
2: music is quanta. It's literally quantized sample packs and beat packs in a layered format with right. a, with a vocal that likely has a similar set of things, layered on top of it, add right. it in there and export it. I was
1: going to say, wait, is there are there vocals in AI music? Like, yeah. are there lyrics that are created? I mean, do they make sense? Or, right, are and, they- and I
0: think that's where, like, the piece starts to fall apart, is that if you don't have this personality that you can, quote-unquote, sell, right? I think that's still where, where there's that big appeal. But, like, if I just want to listen to some music, right? Like, if I want to listen to, I don't know, like, if I go to Spotify and type in chill beats, yeah. like... I'm going to get a whole bunch of stuff. And I I think to myself, I'm like, nobody needs to make this. Like you don't actually, you just program a computer, tell it like define what chill beat is. And then here you go because there's, there's, it's usually all instrumental. Right. But then the idea of like a top 40 artist, right. Is that I still need this persona. Right. I still need this, but that leads us to a conversation we were talking about. Virtual personas. Virtual personas that, well, there's this one woman, I can't even call her a woman. There's this Instagram feed. I'm just gonna say there's an Instagram feed that I follow. Um, yep. That is the the face of a woman that's generated yeah. uh, in cinema for some type of three D program. It, they actually composite onto a real body, mm-hmm. but her face is completely fake. Yeah. It's, so I now think she's, I think they're
2: using uh, they're using Unreal Engines uh, in uh, something like MetaHumans. And, meta, yes, to yes. be able to do that, and then they're using motion capture software to capture the movement. Yeah, and then because of that, and then they're mapping essentially different. Um, is she like
1: a pop star. Or?
2: So they they actually have like um, in. In Asian countries, a lot of. I was going to say, I think she's
0: a K-pop star. Exa- yeah. yeah. In Asian yep.
2: countries, there's a lot of uh, beauty influencers and skincare influencers and those kinds of things that are
0: completely computer generated. They're completely, completely generated. fake, which wow. is which is so bizarre do, to think about that
1: because they don't have skin. They,
0: they don't have skin.
1: They're so not how real. Are you an They're ageless. I think it's, right. I think
0: it's called. Um,
2: it's not synesthesia, which is a actually a, a, where you see sound. But there's a, I think it's called synesthesia synesth, or whatever synesthesia or something. You can go on for like 500 bucks. You can create an AI of yourself. Um, and you upload a bunch of images and talking to it and, and it'll actually build you one of those virtual influencers. I, like some brands are using yeah. it. It's not that great to answer your question on music. One of the hardest things to do, and I'm not a music engineer, but I just know a lot about this. This yeah. nerdy shit is voice modulation. Yeah. So, um, for those of you that have seen the most recent Top Gun movie, um, mm. the character played by Val Kilmer Maverick or not Maverick. It's. Ice Man. Ice Man. Yeah. Um. Was sort of this famous kind of tension between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer with method acting, and and Tom Cruise wouldn't do the new um, uh, Top Gun movie unless Val Kilmer was in it. Now Val Kilmer suffered from I believe it was throat cancer. Throat cancer. Yeah. And as a result of it, really lost his ability to speak. Mm -hmm. So they actually trained uh, an AI on his son's voice and footage from him in previous movies to try to recreate aspects of his voice.
0: How cool is that? And
2: super cool. Amazing. You think about this, what that can create for people. Um, You know, uh, the, the less advanced version of that was when Stephen Hawking was able to speak by typing Mm, into the computer and doing that. But you know, it, it wasn't really great in terms of the, the computer's ability to, to, generate vocals mm-hmm. um, right it's I'm getting sure it will be it's getting much better but it requires a lot of comput- computational power and training to be able to do that so to your point yeah i would be, i would be willing to bet that if we said create me a taylor swift song yes in the key of c yep um based on the top 40 melody of these songs that an ai could in theory with the right data set yeah. could create a song that right. would, would be based on those patterns.
0: Lyrics you, are
1: probably would probably be the hardest part, right, for it? Like, lyrics that make any well, sense? Well,
0: if it listens, I mean, if it listens to a bunch of lyrics, like, if that's the funny thing is, like, lyrics don't even necessarily have to make sense, right? Like, you mm-hmm. just just give me that catchy hook. That's all I need. I just need that catchy hook. And I am sure they could just, it would go through and just figure out, okay, what's a good combination of words that's going to sound kind of cool, mm-hmm. right, based on what people have done previously? That or... or the idea, if if I could take that to that to the next step, right? I yep. think about our kids and the ability that I don't know when they're adults, They'll if they want to watch something, yeah. if they want to watch a show, and you're scrolling through Netflix, you're like, oh, this sucks. There's nothing on here, right? It's like, hey, hey, automated uh, device, make me a show about. And then define parameters. And then it goes, okay, hold on. Give me a minute. All right. right. Let me get the GPUs. Okay, fine. Here you go. Here's a 30-minute episode on the thing that you just created from your imagination. And
1: you are creating it. Yeah. Because you're giving it the parameters. You're giving it the input.
0: It's your idea. So where I found that, that, like, I I was saying back before, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I started asking my daughters, like, hey – you know, draw a picture or like when I'm drawing with them, I'll start typing in. I'm like, what is that? What did you draw here? She's like, oh, I made this thing here. It's a bunk bed and there's a unicorn, and there's a princess. And I'm like, bunk bed, unicorn, prince. And I'm like, look what I just made. And they don't get it. Yeah. They're kind of like, uh, that's like a weird picture. Where'd you find that? I'm like, we just made this. Mm-hmm.
2: This to me is the challenge of AI though, right? So I want to come back to that in a second. But yeah. the thing that's interesting is um, there are some really good AI written screenplays that piss people like James off because they're, they're, <laughs> they're actually pretty good. You could imagine for a moment if you said, create me a 30 minute, uh, animated series that is based on the narrative of star Wars, a new hope with the visual language of the Incredibles yes. designed by a Pixar artist. Yes. If you had a generative adversarial network for each of those three things and you ran three simultaneous scans on that particular three sets of data, if you had enough computational power and GPUs, it would maybe take a day or two, just mm. depending on what access to what supercomputers you have. But if you had like that kind of a render farm, like object, right. You could, in theory, a computer is able today to understand the narrative of a star Wars movie. Now, granted it, it can study patterns from a thousand people that wrote, describe the narrative of a star Wars movie, right. And it's going right. to find its own correlation. So it's, dependent on the human creativity of, of t- describing it still need the human. But this is the thing that, that kind of scares me a bit about mm. this is your daughter's definition of a princess
0: mm-hmm.
2: is scary to me because one of the things that, you know, the movie in Enc- the, the Encanto mm-hmm. beautiful movie. Oh, yeah. w- what was so crazy to me is when they were making the, the dolls, they didn't make a- enough of the Luisa doll who was the depicted as the, the bigger strong woman. in the right. in the, um, in the movie And that was the most selling doll. Yeah. And that got me thinking a lot about just bias and algorithms and representation is like right now, if your two young daughters, if their definition in their head, if their mental model of a princess. Right. Is this dainty, you know, fair maiden that, you know, unfortunately typically is white and skinny and, and looks like a Barbie doll. Yep. Their definition is if they don't grow up and look like that, then they don't feel like they can label themselves a princess. So what I think is a little bit crazy, and for you as a girl dad, I have a son, but I'm like, this to me is like, I think about bullying. I think about all this representation stuff. It's like, it's a very important thing. Yeah. So I think that we, as the people designing these systems need to be really aware of who and how and what we train them. Otherwise, you yeah. end up with what happened when Microsoft built an AI bot years ago, I think it was called Tay, where they basically had it study Twitter. Mm. And obviously Twitter can be a pretty ugly place. Yeah. And this bot turned into this, was was basically creating racial slurs and they had to shut it down. And this, was, this went That's into the mainstream. And But that to me is scary because these systems, as much as we know them right now, are based on the training data that we give it. Yeah. So I think that what we have to do is when we, when we ask someone to describe a princess or a superhero, yeah, right? Like people say superhero right now, and most of us might hear this and say, okay, what's the superhero you think of? A red so cape.
0: Personally, yeah, I was gonna say cape. That's right. like the first thing, cape and, or mask. Right, yep. and
2: then in our case, right, two of us, right, we grew up Batman, Superman, you know, Spider-Man,
0: sure.
1: whatever, like, but what do they all end with?
0: Man. And
1: they're all yeah. very strong.
0: Yeah, and what's dope, and and you're right, dude. Because I think about this all the time. I'm sure, you a, do. Being I'm a good. girl dad, yeah. like it's it's so in my head. How can I how can I make sure that right? How can I just shape them and have a, give them a good understanding? The thing I'm super excited about is to show them this this surgeon. And, and I love the fact that there have been more and more female superheroes. Absolutely. Right, like that. Like I can't wait when they can actually like wrap their heads around like these. like these more like graphic shows like Miss Marvel that came out oh, right yeah, now yeah, yeah, yeah. is like so freaking awesome, right? That like yeah. the fact that my girls can look at that and go, yes, I can relate to this. And it should be the same for anyone. Any little child should be able to go, I can relate to this.
2: There's a 20 or a 30 year study that you can follow on the impact that Wonder Woman had specifically on the mental health and overall uh, um Self-efficacy, I think, is the word I'm looking for. the The self-efficacy and and feelings that uh, young girls specifically mm-hmm. had towards what that meant to be a superhero. So you can yeah. actually look into that if you, if you want to Google. Like I'm sure you can find it on Google, but that to me is a really powerful thing. And if you think about just if you go back to early stage propaganda, right? What Rosie the Riveter created for, you know, just from a visual language perspective, right? Right. That, and then a lot of the the motifs that then built on these different Superheroes and graphic novels, novels and that sort of thing. So that to me is awesome. Yeah. Right. Like I think that that's awesome because the problem with AI and tech right now is a lot of people that are in tech look like me. Yep. And we don't need more white guys in tech, right? We we need more representation. Not just because I'm trying to sort of check the proverbial diversity box, which I think a lot of people try to do, but to say if we're going to create a society where we rely heavily on these robots and cobots and artificially intelligent programs. I think it's really important that we create the representation that is most important. It needs that
1: so full perspective. We have such a responsibility. I yeah. haven't even thought about that. Yeah. It sounds like we're on the right track. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have a lot of work to do, but just with things like wonder woman and all of the new movies that are coming out that are much about equality and, um, yeah, those, you know, I mean equally depicted yeah. characters. I
0: think about stranger things. The, oh my God. The, so good. Right. The, the, the main or heroine right i was gonna say hero but yeah the hero yeah. is it's a woman so the fact that like my girls can watch that show eventually you know because right now no, no way they're way too saying, young Yeah, <laughs> they're like, way
2: too young i was like 11 <laughs> is fucking shit up right now yeah. don't, don't like
0: <laughs> she's a beast yeah and it's like that's cool that's freaking cool to see that so agree. I, I agree i think there's there's something really exciting about that and that the idea that if you could right just even that that like um a little girl could make a show about other little girls because they because maybe they haven't seen enough show about other little girls or anything, right? I, I think there's there's a ton of potential, and I think it's it's really neat because there still is that bias, but it's being able to recognize that there is that bias and then knowing that okay, cool. Well, if if you do leave the program alone to kind of figure out itself, right? Wh- where does that go? But then still being able to leverage that where it seems to be, I don't know, I guess most fit. So it doesn't always have to be this threat, right? There is yeah. going to be that, that fear and FOMO running side by side, but knowing yeah. that it's not a threat, but it's a tool that we can utilize with some That's understanding.
1: It'll always be there and it always has been there, right? Like every single technological advancement always. that mankind has ever created, people are afraid of. So, and the reason to yeah. be but so far so good.
0: There's, yeah, I think about, you know, just with New iPhone comes out. Oh, photographers are getting out. No, they're not. Photographers' jobs aren't going away with a new iPhone. No, of course. Is it a tool that you can create amazing content with? Absolutely it is. But does it replace a Hasselblad $40,000 medium format camera? It absolutely does not.
1: Just like an AI AI generated piece um, that looks just like a Salvador Dali painting will never be a Salvador Dali. It will never
0: be a Salvador Dali. No, it it just, it can't. Well,
2: that's where the blockchain is so powerful because you can sort of track back to like who, what, And how was this created? Yes. You know, the the thing that's interesting about AI is I think about this idea of like determinism as a construct. And I think the thing that's really scary to me is they they say that there's explainable and unexplainable AI. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of times these uh, people do not reveal. So back in the day, we all remember math class, which, you know, I hated math because Mm -hmm. we had shitty teachers. But yeah, well, you had cool teachers probably. Um, I didn't, but back in the day when you would give someone the answer and if you didn't show your work, you'd right. get in trouble, right? right. Like you show me your work. Yep. I think that show me your work is a really important concept of AI, because I think that a lot of these things that are built on deep learning, you know, neural networks, all these complex. Um, and again, I'm, I'm a total newbie novice when it comes to like what people are doing with this stuff. You know, I don't I don't have a PhD in math, which most of these AI people do, but at a high level, I can understand it. I can sort of tinker with it, right? And understand the the philosophical kind of challenges with it. But I look at that and say, okay, you have this idea that they don't know what some of these things are going to spit out. Mm-mm. Because as you start getting into these really elaborate, unsupervised and supervised learning kind of modalities, it you don't know what's going to come out of it. And that's where I think that for me... I'm inspired, but I'm also like a little bit like inching into it because as much as I think that, like, I'll give you a perfect example. There's a tool now where you can draw boxes and, and things. I think I think Airbnb launched it where, or Microsoft, or it was either Microsoft or Airbnb. My brain's just not working today, but you could draw a bunch of boxes and it would automatically create a wireframe and mm-hmm. then base it on a series of components. And it basically made wireframing and designing much faster. Really cool tool. and You can Google this; it's, it's it's available for you to play with. But what I don't like about systems like AI is I think it removes artistic integrity and value. Let me give you a specific example. which you call Hasselblad?
0: Hasselblad. Right. Yeah.
2: So if I was to train an AI on a half a million Hasselblad images, mm-hmm. I could give it, I could give one of these prompts a regular photo I took on the iPhone. And it theoretically can, can make it look like it was shot in half right. And that to me, I think in some ways, the naked eye is not going to be able to tell the difference. Nope. So I could take that shirt that might've been, you know, crafted from scratch and hundred hours that created it. And then I can create the AI version of that. That was just made in a factory very quickly. What I worry a little bit about is the importance we place on craftsmanship And on real and raw human connection. And in a world where everything is going to be, you know, automated, streamlined, you know, we all want to, we want to be able to push a button on our phone, on a filter, and magically stuff happens. Just be done. Yeah. For me, what I worry about is people who have spent 20, 30, 40 years of their life becoming an artisan. of of something and then to have an ai be able to almost steal that like i think there was a post recently you you posted about this about exploitation of 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 dead artists or something like that
1: right Um, someone was complaining that it that you're exploiting those dead artists but uh, i politely disagreed
2: yeah but what's interesting is i could argue for and against that right i love the debate right so i could argue well if let's take um Right? We all know some of the Mondrian work, right? Just yeah. like that, that special format. Let's assume that that Mondrian style is still to this day really popular. I'm not saying it is. Let's assume I could create some new art. And because of Mondrian's popularity, I could call it a Mondrian mm-hmm. and just put it up and a bunch of people would buy that. Right. In theory, Mondrian or the Mondrian Foundation or the Mondrian family is not getting compensated for that. So when I think about theft of intellectual property, one of the things that I fear is artists typically don't have protected intellectual property, you know, even with a photograph, right? If if a photograph has, is doctored more than 30%, you do not have rights to it. Yeah. So what scares me is how it can render really powerful artisans obsolete. and. As a technologist, I'm inspired by that. To say like, sure. hey, well, how do I make sure I'm not obsolete? It's incredible. But when I I've met some of these folks, we, you and I today over lunch, we're talking about just um, one of your local places that you like to go—an eatery, um, you know, restaurant, or whatever you call it—is they're closed for, and it, the little sign on the door says like we're you know we're on family vacation kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's beautiful to me, right? Like nothing ruins the tapestry of a town more. Then when a chipotle shows up, yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong. I love a chipotle bowl, right? Just anybody else. You know, it's super unhealthy and tasty, salty, <laughs> terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reality is it, it, it destroys the tapestry of, of that community because everything becomes sort of big corporate. My fear is what would happen when you big corporate all of these types of things. Well, so,
1: then wouldn't it make that artisan just more valued? I feel like people will
2: strip their value. Away.
1: But, um, I don't know. I guess I'm saying the opposite. Like, wouldn't it? Tell wouldn't me more. People always, if if the world becomes oversaturated in like Chipotle's or robots or AI, won't we really, really crave the human-made objects? And well, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I I think so.
0: Yeah. But
2: my fear is what? So let's say, for example, let's use the example of your shirt.
0: Mm.
2: Some people might want to wait six weeks for that shirt because it's one of one. Yeah. Most likely, based on the shrinking attention spans of our children, most likely because of the instification of TikTok, Instagram, all the things, I would be willing to bet they would want that shirt right now. They want to push a button and they want the the prime same day delivery to show up at their house. Yeah. Because the patience, the idea of delayed gratification is something that I feel like is really going to be wiped out with the compression of attention span, so in that point, I I worry about it is like, will they want the made by humans thing,
0: right? Because I can have it now, so like give it to me now. Oh, I can have it right now. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it costs only what fifty cents more. Yeah. Give it to me now. I'll take it right now. Yeah. And like, l- look at what I was just drinking. Or right?
1: fifty cents less.
0: Or yeah. fifty cents less. I, I think like, there. I think it will take.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it will take some time, but I think what will probably happen is that it. You know with most of those things, right? We're going to progress into a place where it's like, okay, cool. We can get it done faster, cheaper. You know, the society is going to say, yes, give that to me. And then they're going to realize like, no, this is kind of shitty. Actually, I want to go back to it being like, I'm thinking about, um, Etsy, you know, Etsy or even just like music, right? Where like everyone, everything was digital, but now there's this kind of touch back to like vinyl. Oh yeah. People are like, you know what? Like I want to touch, I want to hold my music. Like I want to feel, I want to put it on. I want that. That warmth and that subtle texture and that grain to this sound versus it being perfectly pure. Mm -hmm. There's there's an interesting thing about that where I'm like, oh, vinyl's like, I mean, it's similar with film photography. Like, there is that I want to slow down, I want to take a moment. Yeah, I could take a thousand pictures, but like I just need one. And this is all just find that picture. Yeah. And I think it's it's this movement of, well, here's this new technology, let's use it as a tool, let's exploit it. Let's overuse it and then start to fall back to, you know what? I want to go back to the way that we used to do it. I mean, no one's riding around on a horse and buggy, though. I will say that. But, well,
1: people do still horseback Yeah,
0: go um, up to to Amish country. Well, yes, of course they do there. Well, because they never stopped. Yeah, they've just been doing it the whole time. But, like, you know, I'm definitely going to want to get a Tesla before I'm getting a horse and buggy. So, like, that, I guess certain technologies you only would want there to be that progressive enhancement. But I think there is this nice kind of throwback to the simpler approach to a lot of that stuff. And I think art, I guess that's what I'm thinking about is photo, music. The things I listed are art, right? So it's – I think it art will always kind of have that. There's a sort art will
1: that. always exist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It'll just be absolutely. way different.
0: Yeah. We just have a new tool now that, that allows people to arguably be more creative in a shorter amount of time. Because if I then say, you know what? If I want to make this thing in Cinema 4D, I got to spend, a, what, a year figuring out how to just use the tool and then another year figuring out how to explore my style in that program. It's like – or – I could put in a couple of prompts and then maybe after a week of using this tool, get really good at it. And then now I'm making the things that are in my head. That's satisfying just from a creative standpoint and not so much for an instant gratification thing, but like it's in my head and I want to get it out. Yeah. Let me just get it. Oh, there it is. Great. Now, now I'm free to think about something else.
2: For me, I think it's the scars that we incur through the journey that makes it special. And I'll, I'll sort of share what I mean by that. So A very prudent example that really literally affected me today was I was in the office and I had my gel pen in my hand, not my iPad pencil, not my Mm. Miro board or my fig jam, right? Like these are online tools for stuff. But, and I physically drew out a wireframe and I handed it to somebody and then I had ink on my hands. I'm a lefty and it stayed with me for that day the same way that a woodworker might get a splinter or you when you're printmaking might get you know like burn yourself or something that like every time you see that you have that memory of like oh I remember I was with that person and they're not here anymore or something like when I made this this art project or like when you were in the studio like like I was just nerding on the Rick Rubin uh, documentary called Shangri-La which Mm. is like the this legendary recruiting studio where like everyone who's anyone has recorded yeah super cool if you haven't checked it out it's on Showtime it's amazing Um, And, but I say that because I think that to replace that. So what I'm basically saying is there's this argument between like instant gratification. I want it. I want it now. It's like, I want my MTV. now, You know? And then on the other side of it, it's, I went through this long journey to build this thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's those scars along the way. There's those moments those experiences along the way. And I look back at just my body of work over the past 17 years and some of my favorite projects, some of my favorite clients that I've worked on, It was, I don't remember the work. What I remember is like the moments with like people like you guys, right? Like working on a project and staying late into the night or, you know, like the meal we shared and like all the moments that happened. So I feel like, like AI has the ability to wipe that out
0: Mm.
2: or also supplement it depending on where our time and energy goes. So that's just why like I can argue for and against it. I think like anything, it's going to be how we use these tools. So I'm just like really, really curious about it. But I'm also curious about it is like, How awesome would it be if we started to sort of like create art for artists? So think for a moment, like imagine if we indexed all of Kelly's art. So she's done a lot of collage art. You know, we can theoretically just scan a few hundred images from her Instagram, theoretically. yep. Um, We can run those through a, a set of these tools. And then imagine if every time Kelly spoke, like even on this podcast, we just started to take the words that we transcribed Mm -hmm. and we just started to send those words in Kelly's style against that. So now her expressions, things that she's saying throughout the course of a week, a day or whatever, imagine if we just grabbed those fragments of thoughts and applied her collage style to it. What I'm, what I'm particularly curious on is like, how close would the likeness of Kelly with the right models of, of learning be with actually being able to express Kelly? That's so
1: fascinating. I love that. That'd be cool. Yes. It would be cool. I love that a lot. I want to use, really cool. um, AI art in my own art in various ways. I think it'd be fun to use for collage by making things that don't really exist and then collaging them into my work, but also on the writing side of things, cause I enjoy writing prose and poetry, just feeding I mean. a, yeah. the algorithm, like feet or feeding it, my poetry and seeing what images come out. Obviously it wouldn't be in my style, but Maybe, but maybe it is.
2: But, but, maybe, right. but imagine if as she's writing this poetry, she's typing it in. Right. All these images are being created. Imagine when she gets to the end of writing this story, all of those images that are changing as she's doing this mm-hmm. now became a moving story, almost like a flip book. Mm. This is the flip book of Kelly's poem. And, like That to me, like I'm imagining in my head, I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to watch that five-minute cool. YouTube video so or 30-minute. Cool. Like,
0: yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's something that you, you feasibly wouldn't be able to easily do Without a tool like this, like there would be so much time that would go into that, that like, yeah, it, to be able to do that in a uh, a fraction of what it might take traditionally, that is where I think it's very exciting. But this is, that- is
2: where humans can't be replaced. Right. Because even no. this conversation that we're having right now, like I can think of a photo project that this tool can make your photo project more interesting or your prose poem more interesting or your collage more interesting or like some 3d thing that I've got in my brain more interesting. Yeah. And now all of a sudden what we're doing is it, as a group of people, a group of humans is we're creatively applying these different use cases. Right.
0: Those what ifs. Yeah. What ifs. I, I, I don't see a computer creating what ifs, um, out right. of nowhere. Yeah, with, out of with, nowhere, with, without, without, without training. Us, yeah. Without us, um, I mean,
2: it's like you have to imagine a human being, right? So my kid's a year old now, and he's like starting to like mimic and do certain things, right? But you have to imagine. I mean, obviously, we're one of the only species that we can't support ourselves, right? A baby without a human to support it right. will die. Get, it's not going to just grow up in the wild, kind of thing with wolves, you know. Um, but that'd be interesting. But but I think the thing is, is if you really think about it much like the human brain needs that stimuli to learn. So do these computers. Yeah. So I think no matter how advanced that we get or they get, um, and I say they, because I think that in some cases we're not sentient yet. There's a lot of talk of it, but if you index enough information, you know, the clouds are getting faster. The ability to compute is getting faster. So creating the real time representation of AKA the film of Kelly writing her poem is is very possible right now. Yeah. Um. The fidelity of it is to be determined, but I think that to me is like, I could nerd out on that shit forever. And there's a lot of the, this AI music generation. So you can you can like buy a VST, mm-hmm. um, and some of them, you pop a few things in there, you push a button, and now all of a sudden it's spitting out, yeah, a thing for you. So you know, once we figure out how to get voices right,
0: yeah, like actual voices,
2: shit's about to get real.
0: Yeah. I dig that. Well, um, it's three Yeah. This is good. Um, so I want to make sure that we have time to, to wrap up, but this is freaking very cool. Obviously we, we could continue a, a whole lot longer on this. And I think, yeah. I, I think doing a sort of like, I don't know, call it six month after playing more and more and like where we go, like I would like to be able to revisit this kind of like AI talk. Mm. Cool. So we'll plan to do that, but yeah, I'd be down. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for sharing your insights, your thoughts, um, hopefully people are jazzed up thinking about AI, um, play around with some of those tools, uh, Dolly mid journey apply yeah. to be on those, uh, beta programs and,
1: and let us know if you're excited or are you scared? Cause yeah. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. Cause no, now I'm definitely. confused on how to feel, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm still mostly excited.
2: Yeah. Same. No, I'm, su- I'm super jazzed. I mean, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is like, what are my values? What are my principles and what are my algorithms? I've been thinking about that more in the past three weeks than I think I have in the past three years, which is, and I want you guys to think about this, the folks that are listening or watching this in the future, and I want you to think about this, and you as well, is think about how you make decisions. It, think about what, in, what inspires you to make specific decisions. You know, there's obviously, there's past things that have happened or not happened, past events, but also think about your decision framework. Think about when you're on a set shooting something or when you're designing something think about the heuristics Mm. that your brain goes through that to me now that i've been thinking about these these tools and you were complimenting like the flags and the separators and those kinds of things yeah i've been thinking about that a lot being like okay the more clear i can get with this prompt the more interesting my image gets Mm -hmm. so now i'm thinking like oh wait the more clear i can get on how i make decisions and how i communicate Mm. the better leader i can be so I'm almost like I'm I'm learning from this AI yeah, as much as it's learning from me.
1: Wow. So that's really cool. I'll
2: leave you on that's that really note. Cool. Deep, deep learning. Deep, deep, deep. Thank yeah. you, Steve. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.